Louie, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Rose? Where we're going, we don't need Rose. No. I am your father. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. You're listening to After the Ending, the only film podcast where we tell you what happens after the ending of your favorite films. And now, here are your hosts, Mike Spring and Phil Edwards. Hello and welcome to After the Ending. I'm Mike Spring. And I'm Phil Edwards. And uh, we are back. We're back from New York Comic Con. Yes, a a long, brilliant, yet tiring weekend of fun. Hello everyone, this is Mike. And this is Phil. And we are live together at New York Comic Con. Yes, we're here. We're actually looking at each other. First time we've met. First time ever. Yes. <laughs> and uh, this is uh, it's actually day three of the show. We had plans to record uh, tons of audio while we were here, but we've been so busy, uh, we just haven't had a chance yet. Yeah, we're currently sat in the press room where I can see cosplayers, photographers, reporters, um, lots of people. I'm, I'm looking at an elf right now, I think, or maybe just a girl with a funny hat. <laughs> Uh, lots of lots of interesting stuff around. And if you look down, we can see the floor. There's people packed out, spending an awful lot of money on so many cool things. Yes, we've had a lot of amazing experiences, great interviews, interacting with some really awesome um, stars and creators. And uh, so we're going to talk about that for you guys right now. Well, thanks, Mike and Phil, from a week ago. Thanks for introducing us. I'm glad you guys sounded like you were having fun back then. Yeah, they sounded like a good time. They sounded like a, a couple of good guys. Wouldn't mind hanging out with them. Yeah. You know what? They sounded really close together. Yes, as if they were in like, the same room right. looking at each other. Right. I don't know what that's like. No, no. <laughs> it was crazy, wasn't it, Mike? It was. It was. Uh, it was really fun, actually. I think um, you know. I mean, obviously, you know, for people listening, I, I, this is no secret. Obviously, Phil and I live in different <laughs> parts of the world. I, I think we've been yeah. pretty upfront about that. But uh, this past weekend at New York Comic Con, you know, we got to meet in person. Um, and you know what I thought was cool, though, Phil. You know, it's uh, it's one of those things where yeah. you 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 get to know somebody when you talk to them as much as we do. Yeah, yeah. And so the transition to hanging out with you in person versus hanging out with you virtually. Uh, was seamless. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like it, it wasn't. I know exactly what you mean. It wasn't. It didn't it feel just, all that different. It just felt like more like, oh, I'm hanging out with Phil. Like the only difference is I could see you. But really, I, I felt like our conversations and our interactions were pretty much the same as they always are. Yeah, just like the same jokes, sarcasm. <laughs> well, taking, I don't know if the, taking a Michael things like that, right. having a good laugh. I don't know if the same jokes really is the is the best part of it because our, <laughs> our jokes are pretty <laughs> bad. But <laughs> but no, I know exactly what you mean because it was the initial meetup, and then it was just like, hey, yeah. Yeah, right, Just right. Right back into it, yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. It sort of slipped into the, the good old Phil and Mike show. Yeah, it made the whole weekend go even easier. Yes, yes, indeed. So uh, this isn't a regular episode for those of you who are coming in expecting our patented uh, after the endings. Uh, we are doing sort of a uh, Phil and Mike Storm New York special wrap-up episode with some cool, we got some cool in- interviews coming up and some fun stories and things like that. So we thought, but I thought, you know, we're creative guys, and if we can't shake up the shake up the format once in a while, then then what's the point of being the guys who run the podcast? Exactly, but this it still fits the format because it's after the ending of New York Comic Con. That's right, that's right. So we're going to go revisit it, and then we'll maybe we'll talk about what's going to happen in the future. So there you go, so yeah. it does fit the format. Yes, yes. Well, I thought, uh, Phil, I thought the easiest way to sort of share some of our stories would just be to take things kind of day by day and tell people what we did and who we talked to and what they can be looking forward to as the, the next few episodes progress. How does that sound? That works for me. 
All right. Well, Thursday was exciting because the first thing we did when we got there, well, first of all, we met, obviously, which was the, the most exciting part. But then we went straight to the convention center. And I actually had an interview uh, pretty early in the morning. So the first thing I did was hop right up to the press room and interview Carl Weathers, who's a hero of mine, <laughs> yeah. um, and Michael Madsen and uh, Vivica A. Fox for a new animated project they're working on for the El Rey Network called Explosion Jones. Yeah, not a bad way to start the day, really, that, is it? It really kind of... Well, actually, I should yeah. I should backtrack, though. Before that, what happened before... Actually, like, literally our the first... The donuts. No, but, well, that, too. Good Lord, so much yeah. stuff happened. Where do we start? All right, so... Yeah, yeah so first thing uh, I had to do was was uh, take Phil and, and our friend Asad Lousseau, who's the writer of the Vince Cross Vampire Hunter comic book, uh, who came down on the train with me. I had to take him to the donut plant, which is an amazing donut place in New York City, uh, where the donuts are, like, four bucks apiece... But they're amazing. Yeah, you've never. Been I, I thought when you were saying you've got to try these, I was going, "Well, that that's quite expensive for a donut, but I'll, <laughs> right. I'll try one because I'm here." But and then I tried one, and I was going, "Oh my god, yeah. it's worth every penny." Yeah, it's it's uh, it's kind of been a tradition of mine to go to the donut plant. I was introduced to it by uh, Mike Kingston, the writer of the Headlocked comic books, and uh, so I, for several years I would go there every you know every New York Comic Con, and then for some reason last year I couldn't go, so we ended up staying literally three doors <laughs> down from it. And so when we were walking past the hotel and I realized the donut plant was right there, I think you could say, Phil, it's not an exaggeration to say I maybe lost my mind a little bit. You were giggling like a little girl. <laughs> yeah, I was. Yeah. Um, but after, after eating the donuts, I can see why you do that. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, first we had, so first we had donuts. Then we went to the Javits. And who do we run into right up first thing in the press lounge? Like literally, oh, yeah, yeah. That, that I was walked amazing. you in and was like, this is the press lounge. And, and who was sitting right there on a couch? Yeah. Joel McHale from Community. Yeah, yeah, Joel, uh, <laughs> Joel McHale. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, he was just out in the press lounge doing a quick interview, and um, we, so of we, course we, we watched. Yeah, and we were going to try and speak to him, but then uh, he had to get up and go. But then, because he's so brilliant, he just stopped and basically went, "Hey guys, let's do photos." Yeah, yeah, it was awesome. He was like, he, was he thanked so us nice. for thanked us for for staying around and watching, and then asked if we wanted to take pictures, and of course we did. So uh, that was the very first thing, the very first Phil's very first Comic Con experience was getting his picture taken with Joel McHale. We weren't even in the building five minutes, and uh, yeah, and Phil got to, <laughs> to meet Joel McHale. So that was a good way to start the show. It certainly was, and I will say my first impression of the Comic Con because it's I'd never been to the New York one before was just the sheer size and scale of it all. It's just it was you, you read about it, you see photos, but it's only when you're there uh, that you, you suddenly comprehend how big it is. I was overwhelmed by just the sheer scale of it and the amount of people there. And it just, as the weekend went on, especially the Saturday, it just got busier and busier. But this, it was just incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it's it really, unless you've ever seen it in person, that like you said, the pictures and the videos just really don't do it justice. Mm. Uh, but then, so then after all that, then I finally went upstairs and interviewed Carl Weathers and Michael Madsen and Vivica A. Fox. So that was really cool. I have to say Carl Weathers was just amazing. Um, oh, he's really, a legend. Yeah, he was great to talk to. And we're going to have those interviews for you guys uh, in a couple of weeks. So so stay tuned for those. That should be a lot of fun. Oh, definitely. I look, I look forward to hearing that myself. Right. Uh, then I hopped right over. Thursday was a pretty busy pretty busy day. Then I hopped right over to the Amazon Prime uh, press room, and we I talked to some of the cast and creators of Lore, which is a new Amazon Prime uh, six-episode miniseries. You should be able to he- actually watch that show by the time this episode airs. And um, I talked with, uh, well, Aaron Mankey, who is the creator of Lore, which is an incredibly popular podcast. If you haven't listened to it, I'm sure you've 
at least heard of it. And I interviewed Robert Patrick, also known as the T-1000 from Terminator 2, uh, and a couple other <laughs> uh, actors, including Kristen Bauer from True Blood, and uh, also uh, Gail Ann Hurd, the super producer uh, behind some of the Terminator movies and The Walking Dead, and just really one of the one of the most powerful producers in Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah. So those interviews will be in next week's show for our special Halloween episode. So make sure you yeah. tune in for that. And we also did uh, the Law Experience, but we'll also tell you more about that next yes, week. But yes. that, that was a lot of fun as well. Indeed. And the show does look really good. I'm, I do like a bit of a spooky story. Yeah, yeah. It should be a lot of fun. Yeah, I had I went into one of my first round tables, and that was for the DC Animated Movies 10-year anniversary thing. And uh, I was also in there with a guy called Tony Tolado, uh, who's another reporter. And he does a podcast uh, on sci com, But he sort of, you know, it was my first one. He showed me the ropes as I went in there. But I spoke to uh, Jason O'Mara, who did the voice of Batman in a few of the animated movies. He was also in the last season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, Vanessa Marshall does the voice of Wonder Woman and also Hera in uh, Star Wars Rebels. Yes, I'm jealous of that one because she's my favorite know, it character. Was, it was, <laughs> and also, also spoke to uh, writers and producers Jim Krieg, James Tucker, and Bruce Tim. Bruce Tim, my God, it was amazing. <laughs> but yeah, we're talking about the uh, the 10th anniversary animated movie box set, which looks beautiful. It's a great big box, and every page has got a couple of Blu-rays slotted in with uh, all new artwork on them, and it's uh, it just looks absolutely beautiful. And they were just also great to talk about. They all got this passion for the animated movies. The voice artists, they loved doing it as well. And they, they really were going into details about the way they approached the characters. And, and you know, Jason O'Mara's Batman is the one who's had to deal with Damien. And there's been about three or four films where he's been, Damien's been growing up with him. And he quite likes the fact his Batman is coming to terms with being a father as well as doing all the superhero stuff. And Vanessa Marshall was just brilliant as well. And just talking about Wonder Woman and about uh, the recent live action film as well. But right. They were all all amazing. I just couldn't believe I was talking to Bruce Tim because I've loved the you know Batman the animated movies and all them. So it's just amazing. Yeah, and we'll have those interviews also in the coming weeks. And then Thursday after that, we were done with the press for a while. So basically, we we kind of tooled around the show floor a bit, went down to Artists Alley. I know that Phil, we met some some comic artists who blew your mind, if I'm not mistaken. Oh yeah, well, having read comics since I was a kid, and then finally meeting some of these people who you know, written and drawn some absolutely amazing comics. Terry Moore, Jeff Darrow, Eric Larson, Art Adams, uh, Larry Hammer, who did uh, the NAM, just oh, and so many more. I was just walking around just watching, just seeing all these people, and they're all drawing and doing sketches, and they're all so nice. Yeah. That's what got me about it. Everybody was really nice. Yeah. So I yeah. made up about that. Yeah. And oh, we, we, met, met Lord, we met Lloyd Kaufman as well at the trauma booth. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was a hell of a surprise. Mr. Toxic Avenger. I know. I didn't know he was even there. And we met uh, Greg Hildebrandt, the famous uh, painter who painted the original 1977 Star Wars movie poster. I mean, the iconic image of, yeah. of Luke holding the lightsaber over his head with Princess Leia kind of by his feet. You know, I mean, that's... That's really one of the defining Star Wars images. We got to meet him. I got a piece of artwork from him. So a lovely piece of artwork. Yeah, yeah that was uh, that was a lot of fun. Uh, then we met up with our other friend Russ Russell Bretholtz, who writes Sidekicked, a really cool superhero comic for Darby Pop Publishing. So that was uh, yeah. that was fun. Which, I, we, I, which which I've read this week. I'm thoroughly enjoyed. Yeah, it's a great book for sure. Then we went back to our hotel and we had a little encounter with a, an authentic New York crazy lady. <laughs> yes, that was. Uh, <laughs> I did. I, I started having a, a New York City bucket list and ticking off like the various things, like steam coming from the. Uh, the manhole covers and taxis going by and, you know, ambulances and police cars, all that kind of stuff. But there was a crazy old lady who uh, shouted at us yeah. for no reason. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. <laughs> so that yeah, that bucket list got checked off pretty quickly. We, yeah, yeah, yeah. We went through a lot of uh, a lot of stuff on that bucket list. We certainly did. And in the evening as well, we went for something to eat at Dallas Barbecue, and we saw them. There was like a film crew making a, a commercial, which was always good to watch. Yeah, for yeah. for models who looked uh, very not thrilled to be standing on the streets of New York <laughs> <Yeah>. City <laughs> <laughs> on a very busy road, which they had to cross back and forth. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and that was pretty much the first day, so that was kind of a whirlwind, good way to start things off. Uh, but then it got even busier. Friday, I think, was our busiest day of the whole show. Yeah, Friday there was a, a few round tables. We're meeting lots of people. It was just well, the whole weekend was full on. Yeah, it really was. It really well, was. I, first thing I started off before I even done any roundtables was I got to uh, I got to do some motion capture. Uh, they had a Planet of the Apes experience, and I got suited up in a motion capture suit. I got to ride a fake horse, and I got to watch myself as an ape on the video screen, which was kind of fun. So, and I learned all about how motion capture works from a guy named Jake Botting, who is actually a Weta digital artist from the Weta uh, or Weta as they pronounce it um, special effects, who do all of the Peter Jackson special effects. They've done all the Lord of the Rings films and the Hobbit films and King Kong and all the Planet of the Apes films and all that. So um, it was pretty cool, actually. Yeah, it, it did look cool. And uh, they did send me over some videos, which I've put on the, the com website. There you which go. Which was all about the, the process. And it was interviewing two of the people who were there as well. Right, right. And it's uh, it's fascinating to watch because uh, it's, it's talking about the, uh, the experience you did, but also... It has some footage from them when they were making the film, you know, the actors, and then overlaid with the final footage. And it's just, it's incredible the performance they're giving and the fact that this technology captures it so well. Yeah. And then can somehow translate that onto the, the characters of these these apes. Right. Uh, it's just it's just phenomenal. I do hope at some point we do get some award ceremony, which does have you know awards for motion capture and voice actors because the the, the work and the talent that they do they have and do is just incredible. Right. Right. Absolutely. Well, I can tell you, having ridden on a fake horse, uh, it, you know, it's it's no easy feat to do that motion capture. I mean, I, I really put my all into it. You are bad ape. <laughs> <laughs> and then from there, you and I got to act like Spider-Man for a couple of minutes. We went to the Spider-Man Homecoming experience where we got to yes. crawl into an upside down Peter Parker bedroom and get a little video and have our picture taken. And it's pretty neat looking. Looks like we're crawling on the ceiling. It was very good. And the fact they even had this smashed up Death Star Lego set. <laughs> right. Uh, on the on the floor, well, our ceiling, but on the floor in the video was just, uh, again, the detail. It was exactly like you saw in the film. Right. Yeah. It was yeah. very impressive. Uh, and then... I had one more event before we had our first interview for the day. I had to, I went to a quick autograph signing with the cast and crew of The Man in the High Castle. Oh, yes, and, yes. Uh, Are you jealous to, about that? Yeah, I got to meet one of my favorite actors, uh, Rufus Sewell, best known for his roles in Dark City and A Knight's Tale, two of my favorite movies. And um, he was very cool. We had a little knowing moment because there was a very strict no selfies rule, and I tried to take <laughs> one anyway, and I got my hand literally smacked down by the security guard. So I got a very nice picture of him, uh, but... When I, I said I'm I'm not allowed to take a picture with you, and he sort of gave me a very knowing smile and uh, was very cool about it. But he was very yeah. nice. Yeah, because most of the talent we spoke to, they just they didn't mind the photos at all. It was all the PR people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It is crazy being behind the scenes and being involved in this. But I had a I had a round table, which I was quite pleased about because I got to speak to the cast, Max Landis, and the cast of uh, Dirk Gently, which uh, the second season's coming onto Netflix over here and whatever it's being shown on, BBC America, yeah. Uh, and I got to speak to Elijah Wood, uh, Samuel Barnett, uh, Hannah Marks, Jade Achette, uh, Fiona Dorif, Faux Cahu, and Max Landis. And they just, the pa- again, the pa- with all the round tables, talking to the actors, the passion they have for the, the characters. I mean, they go into so much detail about where, you know, 
what they think their characters are doing and how they how they've evolved from previous series and and just how they relate to the other characters and there's just sometimes you think oh well they're just all saying there's a whole lot of you know it's just all the usual oh we love it it's great work in there but you can tell yeah. when they're being genuine and these these because lots of the characters in the, the second season have split off once again and doing different things and so often it was just one two of them two or three together you know filming these scenes and they really they kept bigging each other up saying that they did a great performance and they loved how it led into what they were doing with their character and then max landis he just came along and he just i've seen him interview before and i knew he talked and my god he just talks and talks and talks but it's it's all fascinating and interesting sometimes i think he it really does need to think a little bit more about what he says right but uh, but it's great that he's so passionate about the project and he he does talk from the heart oh yeah because he left the table and he went uh, second season's going to be awesome as he said it <laughs> but uh, it's that's because of all these other writers who've done some amazing things with the story right. so I cannot wait to see it because I love the first season well I'm very jealous that you got to go into uh, that press room but uh, I'm I'm excited to hear the interviews we're going to have those on the show in a couple of weeks as well so lots of stuff coming up yes yeah, so much to, to get to fit into uh, all these episodes right and then we had kind of a neat sort of unusual interview or it was our, our really our only one-on-one interview or I guess in this case two-on-one interview of the whole weekend which was where you and I got to interview Dustin Bates who is the lead singer of Starset, which is a rock band that also is part of the Starset Society, which is sort of this group that is um, dedicated to promoting science, the understanding of science for the betterment of mankind. Um, yeah, first when you, you hear about it, you go, uh, that's an odd concept. But then when you actually sit and think, you go, no, actually, that's a really cool concept. Yeah. And I, I have to hold my hand up because I don't know whether because uh, of my age or whether because of my mini. I'm in England. I don't know whether Star Set have made it here yet. Right. But I hadn't heard of them until, you know, you got mentioned we had this interview. But I've listened to some of the music since and I, and I do quite like it. But yes. uh, the interview was absolutely fascinating. He's an incredible incredibly intelligent guy yeah and a cool guy like definitely you you definitely got a sense of being in the room with a rock star like he wasn't yeah he wasn't pretentious or anything like that he just had this sort of aura about him you know he definitely had a charisma that you're like oh i I see i see why you're fronting a band but also i see why you you basically almost have your phd in like rocket science like literal rocket science not yeah because he'd he'd been studying engineering and science and he'd initially wanted to get into working on uh, automated cars yeah but then he got you know he got diverted, and then he's a lead singer in a rock band right. and setting up this whole Star Set Society thing, which is a that's a hell of a thing to do, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it really is. So that was that was fun, though. No, because he's yeah, we spoke to him though because he's got a new comic he's working on with Marvel Comics. Uh, yeah, it's called the Prox Transmissions, uh, and it's been adapted by Peter David from uh, his story, and it's a cool kind of science fiction uh, thriller. Uh, and uh, yeah, so we were talking to him about that and about the band and everything. So that's a cool interview that hopefully we'll be able to share uh, in the upcoming weeks as well. Yes. And- then, then uh, like I said, Friday was a busy day. Then I hopped over to a press room for Future Man, where I got to chat with some pretty cool people. Uh, Josh Hutcherson, also known as PETA from the Hunger Games movies. Uh, Haley Joel Osment, I mean, you know, Mr. I See Dead People. Yeah. Uh, who's genuinely one of the nicest people I've ever met in my life, by the way. Uh, Eliza Coop from Happy Endings and Scrubs and uh, Derek Wilson and then the show creators of the show Future Man, which is coming out on Hulu, uh, which is a really funny sounding comedy, uh, kind of science fiction comedy. And, and they were it's a really... bit like The Last Starfighter, isn't it? In concept. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it is. Exactly. Uh, it's a really the show sounds like a lot of fun. And this is one of those ones you were talking about, Phil, where the passion for it was really quite evident. Yeah. Uh, clearly, they're all having a lot of fun. You know, they were all having a lot of fun making this show. And uh, so so that was a really fun press 
room to be in. Everybody was really energetic. And uh, Haley Joel and Josh Hutcherson were uh, sitting together when we were talking to them. And, and the two of them really together were just a lot of fun. So, uh, again, interviews we're going to have in the coming weeks. Yeah, and I also spoke to the cast of Shut Eye, which is heading into its second season. So this was I spoke to Jeffrey Donovan, Katie Strickland, and Asif Manvi. Shut Eye is a concept where... Jeffrey Donovan's playing a con man who pretends to be psychic, but then he he gets injured and then he just starts having visions and you're not sure the real or not. But uh, what was really interesting about this was between between season one and season two, there was a big change behind the scenes and like uh, they got a new showrunner, new crew, and it was basically just the original cast who were still there. There was like a hundred and odd people left, and new people were brought in behind the scenes. And so it was that I thought that would you know that would kill a show. But uh, what, instead, what it meant was the, the actors, uh, when the new showrunner came in and the writers, the actors were involved in the writing room and looking at the plans and then had a bit more of a say as to where they expected the characters to go and pushed it that way. And it really, again, it brought everything together. And they were just saying, they because they, they loved doing the show, they didn't want to see it die. Right. And they wanted to make sure it worked. And they they were saying they really feel that they've they've got something special coming up into the second season. Yeah. And Asif Manvi, who's new to the show, he's, uh, he's playing another con man psychic kind of thing he uh he said it's been a lot of fun and also the fact because he's known for his comedy thing but he's, in this one he's uh he does spend a lot of the time with his shirt off <laughs> which uh, he said was pretty cool yeah so i i said you know he's a bit like the matthew mcconaughey of the show which uh, they, they kind of <laughs> like but it's it sounds like the second season is going to be really good and once again they were all really nice and really interesting to talk to and and again more interviews we're going to share coming up then again i told you busy day then i had one of my highlights for the weekend which was talking to the cast of the orville which is currently Currently the best Star Trek show on TV, in my opinion. Uh, it's Seth MacFarlane's show. He wasn't there, but I did get to speak to Scott Grimes from ER and Critters and uh, Adrian Palicki, who I love, from uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Supernatural yeah. and so many great shows. And uh, I really do love her. She was fantastic. And Penny Johnson Gerald from 24 and Deep Space Nine and Castle. I mean, she's just a, a television force. Uh, and they were all really cool. Now, these. Well, I tell you what, I tell you what Mike. Yes. Man. Why yes. don't we listen to some of them right now? Why don't we do that, Phil? That is a good idea. Uh, yes. So first up, it was Scott Grimes and Adrian Palicki uh, together talking about their experience on the show. And I asked them a few questions about that. So here they are. You guys are no strangers to episodic television or genre projects. Is there anything that's been surprising about a show set on a spaceship? How much time you spend on that spaceship? <laughs> <laughs> right. no, but- that bridge. You put eight people on that bridge yeah. for a three-page scene. Oh, man. You gotta cover it, and then like Seth will look at me and say something, and then Seth will look at her and say something. So you gotta cover. It's a long. That was surprising. The uh, the 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 amount of time it goes into that. But also the bridge is my favorite time because it's one of those rare times where we're all together as a cast. It's great, and we actually really genuinely love each other. So even though it gets to be twilighty because you get really tired, you gotta we're having fun. You gotta remember this was about a year and a half ago. I was approached as she was by Seth, and I was at a party, and we were outside having a drink, and. He said, hey, Scott, you ever want to do television again? Which is funny because why wouldn't I? I just couldn't get any work. That's really what it was. <laughs> and uh, I said, yeah. And so about four months later, we were at another party. He goes, uh, remember that thing I was saying? I'm like, yeah, I do remember. He said, would you ever want to be involved in something like that? I'm like, yes, but that usually is where it ends. <laughs> and the network comes in and says, we want this person, we want this. And God bless him for... Remembering me, thinking of me, writing it basically for me. He wrote it for you. And uh, that's rare, because I probably wouldn't have gotten the part. You know, We did go in and do like a little uh, audition together to make the network, to make sure that we had some chemistry as, as buddies. 
but it's a testament to who he is as a person that that doesn't happen in the industry anymore. So I've seen this thing go, you know, and now for him to collect these group of people together who already she knew him and Jay Lee who plays John Lamar knows him and he was a fan of Pennies and it's a, it was already a group that was supposed to get along, which they we do. Luckily. Well, it's fun because it's original and, and the comedy comes out of realistic aspects of this show. It's grounded in reality. I mean, yes, we're doing a space show, but we could be on a cruise ship because at the end of the day, these are all real people having real experiences. It's, you know, it's it's fun to have all of those layers and dynamics. That's what makes real life, right? That's why it feels real. And here is Penny Johnson, Gerald. Uh, she is fantastic, I have to say. She was one of my favorite interviews of the whole weekend. She is really intelligent and, and passionate and funny and charming and, and kind of in your face, but in a good way, like just really like almost like like television royalty is kind of what she was. But I she charmed the pants off of me, I have to say. So uh, here she is talking about playing the doctor on the Orville. You have this story career of getting these TV shows with amazing ensemble casts and they're amazing TV shows. What is your secret? <laughs> well, I have to tell you this. They didn't believe me. They, meaning the Orville. When uh, we were talking about this and we were first doing it, and then when I saw the pilot, and I turned and I looked at everybody, I said, okay, great, this is this is my swan song. And I go, well, you mean this is over? I said, no, this is this is the show I'm going to keep doing until I don't want to do this anymore. I said, how do you know that? I said, because I haven't been on any show that is right. not a show that has a certain caliber of um, ensemble and a willingness of a group of people to give it all that they have. And I think that's the secret. Seth says something the very first meeting that all of us had. He said, this is a show with an ensemble. I may be the captain, but I am not the star of the show. You may find some episodes where you are actually the star of the show, and you may find some episodes where I'm probably giving you free money. <laughs> and he's held true to that. I think that the Orville is uh, different, but it's definitely a science fiction dramedy. And I think it stands alone by itself in that it's innovative in being able to extract real-life issues, journey, and action sprinkled with funny. Excellent. Uh, and I must admit, I've still not had a chance to see the Orville, but... Uh... I do love a bit of Star Trek, and I like the concept. Yeah, I do really like it. It, it is like Star Trek. It's not as much of a comedy as they've marketed it as, which yeah, is kind yeah, of Yeah, that's good. what I've been hearing in the reviews. It is kind of like a Star Trek show with a sense of humor. I mean, it's actually almost blatantly Star Trek, but that's part of what I like about it. So, yeah, that was a really fun press room. Uh, sorry about the audio there. It was definitely a tough room because there was a big event going on one floor above us with about 10,000 people from the convention. Whooping oh, was that the Hammerstein, was it? Yeah, it was at the Hammerstein. So, Yo, listen to uh, me. Look at that. I've been to one Comic-Con <laughs> and I'm talking as if I know Mr. it all. Mr. Yeah, Fancy Pants here. Yeah, I did have an interview in there, but it was uh, the acoustics were dreadful. Yeah, so I apologize if the sound quality on those is uh, not up to par. So that was pretty much our Friday at the show. It was it was jam-packed. Yeah, but uh, there was the round tables we did, there was, and there was the walking around. What got me as well was seeing all the cosplayers, because some incredible work going into those costumes, and the dedication, because some of them must have been so hot. Oh, yeah. I don't know how they don't pass out, because you know they're covered. some of them are covered from head to toe in these thick, heavy outfits. And it was already hot anyway. Yeah. And I was just wearing jeans and a t-shirt. Yeah. But uh, God knows how they do it. It gets so, you so know, hot I, in there. You know, I have total respect for the cosplayers because it's amazing what they do. 
Yeah, yeah, we have a lot. And actually, um, I, if I'm not mistaken, Phil, when this episode airs, we're going to post a whole bunch of pictures from the convention on the After the Ending Facebook page and Twitter. So you'll be able to see those, see, kind of, you know, get a little visual picture to go along with this episode and see some of our adventures and some of the cosplayers and some of the people we've interviewed and stuff like that. Yeah, you'll be able to see a lot. And also, I've been doing on my, uh, I've been writing up about my experiences at the comic convention, and it's on uh, my site, liveforfilms.com. And it's a Confessions of a New York Comic Convergent, where it goes into more of what I thought was, you know, my whole experience and things. It goes into a bit more detail than the short time we have with you. Yeah, I, I really recommend reading that if you get a chance. It's very, um, it's like Phil is like a beat poet sort of sharing his experiences. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, you know, we're like here, we're kind of rapid firing through everything, but but Phil's sort of ruminations. Woman! Yeah. <laughs> Woman! Um, they're, they're a lot of fun and he really writes it in a very poetic uh, way. So check that out if uh, if you can. It's it's really pretty pretty fun. Oh, stop it, Mike. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Yeah, and then Friday night we went to a diner. I was in an American diner with some Americans, <laughs> and it was cool. And you were all ordering food, which I, you know, wasn't really sure what they were, but it came, and it was all really good stuff. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. It was a good, it was a good evening. And then right back to it the next morning, Saturday morning, we jumped in. Now Saturday wasn't. It was sort of a busy day, but sort of not a busy day. I don't know. Do you know what I mean? It was kind of a weird. Yeah, I mix. sort of tried to keep to the uh, the press area because that was like a, a quiet haven. Of peace and tranquility <laughs> right, compared which, to the... And Saturday is so busy on the convention yeah. floor. Oh, I'll also, like, I've not pointed out the fact I, I stupidly was wearing a pair of boots which uh, decided to rip the rip the hell out of the, my heels. Yeah. So I was, you know, all blistered up, which just added to the joy of walking. Yeah, that, but, was, you know, that was definitely being, a, a being rookie British mistake. And having a stiff upper lip, you know, I barely complain about it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I talked about it, but I didn't complain <laughs> that, about it much. I guess that's fairly accurate. <laughs> So yeah, so Saturday, uh, Phil and I limped to the uh, Javits, and uh, let's see. So first thing we did was we visited the Danger Boat from the new Tick show on Amazon yes, that Prime. Was... That was a lot of fun. Yeah, and if you've seen uh, the first half of season one of the Tick, you'll know that the Danger Boat, it's one of the other vigilantes, is, uh, I think he's called Overkill, but it's his boat, and it's it's voiced by in the show by Alan Tudyk, and it's the setup, it looks, when you walked in there, it looked pretty much exactly like you see in the show. It was amazing. Loads of switches, loads of screens. You could sit in the, in the cockpit and fire missiles. Well, you know, virtual missiles. Right. And there was also the camera going around, and there was it was talking to us, and you could see what was going on. It was a, you know, there was somebody watching us and t- talking. It was really funny, really well done. And we also got a lovely tin of faux ham, yep. uh, which if you've seen the show as part of it as well. But it's that was a great experience. And it, the, the fact they build these things, and it's just for people to walk around just to promote a TV show, yeah. is just, uh, again, incredible. And my favorite part of that was they actually had the sort of uh, interactive camera like, uh, you know, the the sort of roving camera thing. And yeah. they, they had an actor uh, whose voice was piped through and he could see us through that. So he was interacting with people and talking like Danger Boat in the show. And uh, so, but he was talking about specifically about people who were in the boat. So it was very yeah, funny, was funny to interact with him. And it wasn't just canned audio responses. It was, you know, an actor really digging into you and kind of having fun at your expense, but in a good way. Yeah. Oh, de- yeah, definitely. And then we got a lovely uh, poncho. Yeah, poncho <laughs> and some pins. <laughs> poncho. And yes. uh, that, was, that was a lot of And some, some cool photos, uh, which I have seen some of mine. And uh, I have to say, I make a pretty dashing superhero. Yeah, and I, I, I think 
I think I look pretty cool as well, standing on the bridge of the uh, the danger boats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are. Uh, I think I think we look pretty cool. So after we visited the danger boat, then we had to run off to another press room and interview the cast and crew of the Shannara Chronicles, which is a great fantasy show based on the Terry Brooks novels, which I've actually read when I was younger. Yeah, yeah. And um, uh, and that the second season I believe has just started. It used to be on MTV. Now it's on Spike and uh, young cast, but I have to say, really cool people. Right? Didn't you enjoy that that group of people? Yeah, it was. A real a real nice one they all they're all very honest as well yeah because uh, manu bennett i he was I've, i loved him and being an arrow was deathstroke yep I, I he just he's really thoughtful yes yes he is you don't have to listen to us talk about it because you can listen to them right now that's right let's start off with manu bennett like you said he was uh, deathstroke on arrow and he was in spartacus and here he is talking about his experience on the show <laughs> What's in store for season two that we can look forward to? That'd be a great way to start. Uh, it's you know there's there's some really critical relationships that that are that are going to change the the dynamic this this season. I really feel like this season uh, there was there was a lot a lot more risk. You know, it, like last I mean the last season was 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 great. There was a lot of gravitas to it, but I think there's a lot more uh, there's just a lot more at stake. There's a lot more uh, how would you say? We end up in a lot more danger. Keeping it squad free, your favourite moment of filming season two? Well, I, as I mentioned in the panel, you know, there was a moment, I think, where, where Will and I are caught in probably the most dire situation this season. And um, I remember as an actor, you know, uh, and I've been through characters that go through a lot of pain, you know, whether it be Crixus or, or Slade or, or Alanon, you know. So we, we were in this scene and we were literally both strung up in a dungeon. And there was just a moment where, where, you know, him and I had this conversation about what we put into our acting, you know, what we're willing to invest in it so that people will understand the feeling, you know, of what you're going through, you know, to actually really feel it rather than just play it on the surface level. You can hang there in chains and go like, oh, you know, oh, I'm getting, oh, you're torturing me. Oh. You know, you can do this or you can do it. You know, and it's not so much about the noise or the, or the volume or... It's, and, you know, you have to forget acting. You have to actually just go into pain and go into suffering, you know. And uh, we had this conversation, and Austin had gone one way, and I took on And then we both decided we'd lock up on something, and we were both looking at each other across the room. And it was interesting because we were both pushing each other into a darker, darker, more painful place constantly. And I couldn't have been more proud. To, and it was this one moment we worked together as actors to, to bring that truth to that moment. Yeah, and then we had uh, Austin Butler who plays the main character in the show. Uh, and he's talking about what he got up to in the show and how his character develops in the second season. How did you find it with uh, season two, with the action scenes and everything? Did you find it a lot easier than when you were doing season one because you knew what to expect or have you just up the level with the action scenes? Yeah, there was, there was a lot of cool action stuff this, this year. Um, I, we... Uh, you know, I think knowing what I was getting into uh, did make it just a, an absolute joy. I had a blast yeah. last season, but this time I was doing it with people who were already my friends. So the trainers and the stunt people and stuff, I already knew them all. And uh, and it was it was just nice to get back with them. And I, I love doing all that stuff. I mean, that's kind of the, the little boy's fantasy, like <laughs> being right. in the backyard, swinging yeah. swords and jumping over trees and stuff. I mean, that, that was what I did as a kid. And so to get paid 
Totally. I, my mom would get so upset because I'd, I'd go out there and I'd whack a cactus or something like that. She'd be like, that's my favorite cactus. <laughs> yeah. Even though you're a relatively young actor, you played a pretty wide variety of roles in your career. Was there anything surprising about coming onto a hard fantasy show set, which I have to imagine is a little different from most other you know modern yeah. day setting type of shows? Yeah. It's, it's got its, its own challenges that... Um, Sometimes I feel like it's harder uh, for for me uh, because of the fact that it's it's so vast and you can't. It's it's sometimes hard to because watching it today, I'm going, wow! Like I remember filming that in a parking lot <laughs> with a giant green screen, right? And now we're seeing the um, Golden Gate Bridge. Yeah, it, it looks incredible. But I, I remember what it was like filming that, um, and. Uh, and so it's such a good lesson every time I see it to to just immerse yourself like a child when you're when you're on set right. um, because that amount of imagination is is necessary because sometimes it can be it can be hard to really imagine what's what's happening. Sure. Um, sure. Uh, next, we spoke with Vanessa Morgan, who is playing a new character on the show this season. And uh, she talks about the experience of coming into the cast and some of the physical stuff that she had to do. Uh, and she was quite charming. So here she is. Hello. How are you? Good. How are you? Wonderful. Thank you. Was there anything that surprised you about coming onto this you know, hard fantasy show set in terms of you know, workload or time commitment or anything? Just the fact that it's you know, such a such a different world from a show set in you know our timeline there's several things that surprised me the training was insane i've never been on a show with this much physical training we trained for one month straight every single day like so intense so that was a shock i wasn't expecting that and then the sets the sets were so grand where i felt like i was in a lord of the rings movie set obviously just walking out in new zealand you feel like that but like the sets itself were so grand and so, you know, palaces. You really saw, like, the fan- I felt like I was living in this fantasy world, you know, truly. Instead of some sets are just in a studio and you really don't get that vibe. So that was awesome. It seems like it's a show that's a lot of work, as you just alluded to. Um, but it's also a pretty young, I imagine, pretty fun cast. You guys get a chance to hang out and pal around and have a good time on set? Yeah, yeah, we do. Um, you know, obviously the workload's really, uh, like a lot but on weekends we would go have fun (laughs) yeah and you don't have the distractions of your LA friends you know you really just have each other so we were doing a lot of bondings on the weekends had some good times went out dancing you know so that was nice were you familiar with the books at all did you delve into any of them did you choose to get into that world or do you you just kind of stick with the, the script and the world building on the show yeah I wasn't familiar with it but when I got cast I went to the bookstore with my mom like a nerd and bought every single one <laughs> um, looking for my character then found out my character was not in the books <laughs> <laughs> and then here's Ivana Baquero who was originally in Pan's Labyrinth when she was 12 with Glimmer del Toro she plays Eritrea and she's talking about the fact her, her character there's a lot more action a lot more fight scenes and she had to learn how to use uh, quite a few new weapons. And of course, I I did work in a question about working on Pan's Labyrinth with Guillermo del Toro. Yeah, I was, I was so glad you did because uh, I could have spoken to her about that for ages. Right. So here she is. What's what's coming up in season two? What What is your character going to be doing in season it's two? It's the easiest, but it's the hardest. Okay. The way, because I, um, it's like, how do you explain? Because there's so many things going on in season two. I feel like, you know, they've taken all the things that worked in season one and they've t- 
times it by two for season two. Um, there's going to be a lot of action. There's going to be way more special effects. All that the magical world is going to be more involved. Um, we shot on location a lot more. There's right. an amazing photography. There's great drone shots. I just think that this season feels bigger. So I really hope people enjoy it. How was it getting back together with the cast again after season one and the big changes, losing one of the main characters? How, was, how did it all feel getting back together with everyone? It was really good because there was such a big gap between season one and season two. There was almost a year. Um, and it was great to feel like you had the opportunity to see everyone again and to be, because we shot in the same city yeah. with the same crew basically in the same core cast. I mean, there's new characters, but we were all kind of the same people. So it was like going back home again. And, you know, it, it was really nice. And New Zealand is an amazing yeah. country. So we felt really, really welcomed. What was your favorite kick-ass moment for the character in season two? That's a sneaky question. <laughs> she actually has a lot of sneaky, good, badass moments because I would say where in season one there was like maybe one or two fights, yeah. this season, every two episodes, there's an actual like either fight or a proper battle and she's involved in most of them. So she's got a lot of good, badass moments and I think, I mean, we'll see... The beginning, the first episode is really, really cool, and um, you'll see her displaying some of her abilities. Um, but then, as the season progresses and the stakes get higher, she actually acquires some new weapons, so she doesn't only use her daggers anymore, okay. which is really cool. Some of the other actors are telling us about how the, the physical training was really intense, and obviously, you're working with daggers, which I assume you don't do in real life necessarily. Uh, and now you said new weapons. Was that was that challenging for you? It was, but actually. Weapon fighting was my favorite kind of technique because I mean we did like everything. We did boxing, horseback riding, boot camp, fitness. It was very, very intense, especially against these guys. Like they're all ripped, Manu and Austin. So it was, you know, it was quite the challenge. But weapons was really cool because I got to actually learn with the real weapons and I had to learn how to throw real knives and it just felt so empowering. And and yeah, and I mean, I learned how to sword fight too. So it was it was really cool. So now we know not to mess with you. Yeah, yeah. no, be careful. <laughs> I have mine right here. <laughs> I did want to sneak in one question about Pan's Labyrinth and what it, what it was like working with the great Guillermo del Toro. I mean, you know that if you work with him, you're in good hands. Right. Like whatever you do, he's gonna make it better. Um, he really is a genius. Like he really is. He's got it all in his head. He knows exactly what he wants. He. You know, he loves rehearsing and he's like with you every step of the way. Um, and it was pretty much like going to acting school. Like those three months of shooting Pan's Labyrinth, I was only 12. Right. But it was, I, I, I probably learned as much in those three months than in the rest of my 10 years of acting career. Right. Uh, and finally, a quick word from the creators of the show, Miles Miller and Alfred Goff, who you probably know best as the creators of Smallville. Yeah, that was amazing as well, the fact we were talking to them. Yeah, they were they were really cool guys, actually. So here's a little bit about them, about the challenges of bringing the show to life. Uh, the show. Will you be touching on any more the fact, you know, it's in the far future of our Earth, things won't be said anymore, or that will be mentioned by any of the characters? Or yes, you'll definitely see it, and you see it right up front in the first episode. Um, and you will, you'll definitely 
we definitely play that. I mean, it's something that, like I said, that always intrigued us about the books. Yeah, that yeah. It's our world in the future, not just a pure fantasy world like Westeros or Narnia. Or yeah, it's something that's very distinct yeah. about the book. You yeah. know, in terms of like fantasy, you know, to see an elf juxtaposed to the landscape of the ruined landscape of San Francisco is very, very dynamic yeah, and interesting. You guys are obviously extremely successful television producers. Um, and you're no strangers to genre stuff, but it seems like taking on a hard fantasy show is like, hey, we want to work a lot harder than we usually do. Uh, it seems a lot more challenging. Is that the case, or is that just, yes. is that just a subject? Oh, no, it's, it's, but, a, it's yeah, very challenging. We didn't really think about that no. naively before we started doing it. And obviously, Into the Badlands is also set in the future, and it's also fantasy, and actually it is three times as much work. Oh, okay. On Smallville, you could go to the Gap and buy people clothes. Right, right. Yeah. Right. Um, maybe Martha Kent went to the loft or something. Maybe. Uh, <laughs> he, uh, but yeah, that, that series is definitely. But even that's you know, this one because it's everything has to be created. Yes. The, you got to build the walls. You got to build the CG environments. You got to be distinct and different and original. Yeah. Um, so hopefully, like when you see the Kingdom of Lee, which is the new sort of fantasy environment, it should look like nothing you've ever seen and be. You want it to be feature worthy, you know, like the Lord of the Rings environment, but would have, we like a Star Wars twist. It yeah. has to be futuristic. It can't feel like medieval England, um, which often fantasy environments do. So it's always looking at those things, and every piece of, every piece of costuming or Weaponry. prop is, is made, handcrafted. So it's just everything's going to be approved. Everything's going to be designed from the ground up. It is like so, five yeah. times the amount of work yeah. as a regular. I mean, we. Look at a show like Law and Order. It's like, that would be like, <laughs> We're like oh my God. God. You know? And then on, on Badlands, we have to do that. And then you have to make everything. And then you have a fight unit. So then you got to make five of them. Right. You know right. what I mean? So, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a challenge doing these world building shows. So, right. But it's fun because, you know, again, there's not a lot of them. There's very few on television. Right. You, know, you have Game of Thrones, which is amazing. And right. Spends 30 million an episode. And then, yeah. you know. So I think it was something for us that was distinct and wasn't on television. Yeah, it's been challenging. Uh, So that was the cast and crew of the Shannara Chronicles. They were, like I said, a really cool group of people. We both had a lot of fun in that one. Yeah, really, really nice to meet them. I was made up to meet Manu Bennett as well. Yeah. Yeah, so then it was my turn to head off because I had the Reverie interviews. This is for a new TV show, which still hasn't got a release date yet. So I think it's going to be due out at some point early next year. But it's, uh, it stars Sarah Shahey, who you, you know from uh, Person of Interest, Dennis Haysbert, who's been in 24 and The Unit, but I always, I always loved him in uh, Major League when I was a kid, uh, Catherine Morris from Cold Case, Sandal Ramamurthy, who was in Heroes, and Jessica Liu, who was, uh, she's been in Pitch Perfect and a few other things. Uh, but this one, it's all about setting the future. People are using VR more and more, and basically people want go into it and they have like their, their reverie, their perfect time, and they don't want to come out. So Sarah Shahi's character, she's she's brought in to go in and basically like a hostage negotiator. She's gone and she goes into the reveries to convince people they need to come out, otherwise they're gonna die. It's basically trying to get them to realise that it may be the perfect world, but it's not the real world. It sounds like a fascinating show with a, some big concepts and it could be it's gonna work quite well because you know each reverie is gonna be different, so it's gonna be a different setup each time. But Dennis Haysbert's going to be the main the character in the background, keeping everything together, running the organization. As Dennis Haysbert does. Yeah, he's, he's very cool. But it's a, it's a great cast. Catherine Morris is playing somebody from, uh, you know, the, the military trying to get this weaponized and things like that. So it's lots, going to be lots of conflict, loads of good characters. Uh, it should, should be a really good show. And I'm, I'm 
I just hope we get to see it soon. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. I wasn't in that press room because I was off uh, meeting the cast of Ash versus the Evil Dead. Yes, damn you. And God, I was jealous about that. <laughs> Which I interviewed most of them last year, but uh, it was nice to kind of go through the line. Yeah, there was uh, For a line that they were trying to hurry people through, I have to say that the cast was pretty cool. Had a you know a quick chat with Bruce Campbell and Ray Santiago. Got to have a really nice chat with Dana DiLorenzo, who I might have a slight crush on. She plays Kelly <laughs> on the show. Um, and we were talking Such about- Such a good show. Uh, yeah, it is. Uh, we were talking about stars she was really energetic stars like the network that the show was on and uh you know she was energetic i got a nice fist bump from her and uh that was really cool uh, and then i met the new cast members ariel carver o'neill who's going to play ash's long lost daughter and Lindsay ferris who is a really nice guy and also stupidly good looking which is just not fair <laughs> but uh so that was fun i only got a couple minutes with them but it was neat to just kind of get some you know I, I do so many of these interactions as press where we're all very professional and you know asking questions and this and that. So it was nice to kind of go through the line, even though I only had a couple minutes, and just sort of have quick chats where I could just sort of fanboy out a little bit and not have to be on press behavior, but I could just be like, oh my gosh, it's so cool to meet you. So that was a lot yeah. of fun. So that's that's uh, the new season. Season three of Ash vs. Evil Dead is out in February, so make sure you watch it because there's been having some trouble getting uh, getting the seasons renewed because apparently it's one of the most pirated and downloaded shows out there. Uh, so stop downloading it and pirating it, but watch it when it comes out so we get more of it. That's right. If you love the show, watch it on, you know, Stars or whichever channel it's on here in the UK. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and if you are a fan, don't uh, forget, we did interview the cast last season. Uh, and so that was on our last Halloween episode. So you can go back and listen to that. And then what else was at the end of that day? Yeah, I think so. Oh, yeah. Then yeah. at that point, we just kind of went to the press lounge and chilled because we were exhausted. Yeah. So that evening, it was a mad dash back to the hotel to get, uh, you know, freshen up because we had to head back to 37th Street for the after party, which was all American Gods, where Ricky Whittle, where Pablo Schreiber were there, uh, and it was great. They'd got the uh, the Stitch Bar, was in the, the location, but it all had neon lights with American Gods. Uh, it just looked, incre- it looked incredible. Proper American-style bar. It was jam-packed. Yeah. Uh, loads of people there. And we Free took drinks. my favorite photo of the entire weekend, which we'll be posting on our Facebook page. Yes, that was great. So <laughs> yeah. we, yeah, me, Mike, Russ, and Assad, we we were American gods. Yes, yes, it's really and, a great, yeah, we a great it, picture, yeah. I have to say. And we did have a white bison with us as well. That's right, that's right. But it was a, it was a good night. Yeah, and then we well, and then we also had we had a great dinner. We got to feel like the Avengers. We had shawarma. Yes, which I've never yeah. had before. This is a first for me. Oh, no, and it was really good shawarma. It was amazing, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I had yeah. never had it. I didn't know what to expect. I didn't even really know exactly what it was. I knew it was middle. Eastern, it had some meat in it, yeah. and I was like, you know what? It's it's in the Avengers, and it's right across from our hotel. I'm having shawarma, darn it! And it was really, it was the best meal I'd had in the, of you know of the weekend, and, and really one of the best meals I've had in a long time. It was amazing. It was amazing, and also because we were all all four of us were quite tired from the you know Comic Con and everything, we were sitting there like the Avengers. <laughs> Very at much. The end. Yeah. Obviously, we hadn't been fighting and saving the city. Right. We'd just been walking around the comic convention, but. We were all sitting there, a little bit exhausted, just eating the shawarma. Yeah, and I'm really enjoying it. Right, it was great. Uh, and then, uh, and then Sunday was another jam-packed day. Yeah, it just all blends into one. But Sunday was a very good day for me. Yeah, you kicked it off. Yes, because uh, well, I was in well, line. I was in line for Funko toys, Funko pops. Um, yes, you yeah, know, yeah. don't, you don't forget. You can, you can, if you have any Funko pops you don't want, you can send them to us. Our, our address is on the show notes. But anyway, yeah, I was in I, line I, yeah. for Funko pops, and while I was doing that, Phil, who were you talking to? Yeah, I was talking to uh, William Shatner and Bert Ward. Oh yeah, that's all. Just, just yeah. William Shatner and Bert Ward. Hello. Just having a chat with them. Yeah. So yeah, Captain Kirk and Robin, because it was uh, they've been working together on the new uh, Batman animated movie, uh, Batman versus Two Face, 
which also features the late great Adam West and uh, William Shatner's on board. He's playing Harvey Dent, Two Face. And what can I say? I was talking to to William Shatner and Bert Ward, yeah, and I was just blown away. These people I've been watching since I was a kid, and they're answering my questions. And inside, I'm just going, "Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god!" <laughs> and it's just, it's, it sounds like it's going to be really good. A bit different from the first one, you know, Return of the Cape Crusaders, because there's a bit more. Well, they're keeping the same, you know, the camp quality to it, but there's a bit more of a noir element to it, and a bit of a mystery. And because you know, it's Harvey Dent's transformation to Two Face. William Shatner was talking about his whole process of trying to access the. Uh, you know the monster within, which was was quite good. He he seemed to be he seemed to really enjoy doing it as well, being in the booth and recording it. Uh, I was hoping we could have got got him to do uh, you know his Captain Kirk voice, but he didn't. <laughs> oh, and, and I was always quite I was also quite pleased because I was obviously saying they probably won't make any more because Adam West no longer with us. But I I did suggest if they did do any more, have Bert Ward's Robin become Nightwing, and the writer, the producer, and Bert Ward hadn't thought about that at all. And they were going, oh, that's a really good idea. Yeah, so if we see that, yeah. then you heard it here first. And Phil, you sort of yeah. after the ending to them. Yes, I did. I, you know, I like that. We were right there. I, I said, do this. And they went, <laughs> Phil, you're a genius. Well, I believe that's what they were thinking. Right. They didn't come out and say it, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, and while you were doing that, I was heading into another press room. The real reason I missed that press room, not just because I was in line for Funko Toys, but... I had to head into another press room of my own that was also pretty exciting, and it was for the upcoming return of The X-Files. So I got to sit literally right next to David Duchovny, Gillian Anderson, Mitch Pileggi, and Chris Carter and talk to them about The X-Files. And, uh, you know, I have to say, I don't get starstruck very often because I've interviewed a lot of these people now, but yeah. when, when David Duchovny's face is about eight inches away from yours and he's looking you right in the eyes while answering your question, there's definitely like a wow moment, you know, like he not is- a he is people. so dreamy. It's not. It wasn't just that, but he's a he's no, kind of an intense guy. But like, he was just very directly talking to me, and I, we were so close together. And it was just sort of like one of those moments where, you're like, oh, I am right next to a very, very famous television star, and it's pretty darn cool. <laughs> yeah, because I, I must admit, I would I would have loved to have been in that that round table, but William Shatner. Yeah. So no, it's both. They just happen to be you know pretty much at the same time. So we, yeah, there were lots of conflicts weren't the there for all our, our things. Yeah, it was kind of a pain. But what are you going to do? Uh, and then you had to rush off to another press room right after that. Yeah, it was my first time at the Hammerstein, so I had to rush over to this uh, ballroom where they were doing roundtables for Professor Marston and the Wonder Women, where I got to speak to Angela Robinson, who wrote and directed the film, which is all about the the guy who and his wife and his other wife about how they about the creation of Wonder Woman and this particular relationship the three people had uh, which was obviously quite different to lots of other people but the love they had but i spoke to her and luke evans and rebecca hall and like you said it's as you said earlier for the oval it was dreadful because there was something going on upstairs all this banging and you know cheering and things so so here's but here they all are luke evans rebecca hall and angela robinson talking about the film uh sorry about the sound quality but this is as good as it gets and that's why it's so brief but uh, have a listen Two being your own personal heroes in your life. You mean like fictional heroes, yeah, or heroes. whatever, whoever you felt inspired you, or being, you know, a big part of your life? It could be real or fictitious. Oh, I mean, I'm some of my heroes are sort of my my granddad has always been just like I just love being around him. He yeah. he sort of gives off this incredible energy and very content. 
and happy to walk the, the, the hills of South Wales and stop at every pub and have a pint. And he's been a great dad to his six children, and he's still here, and he's still as vibrant and and happy and pleasant as he's always been. And um, I admire him for that. Um, yeah, that's probably my 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 hero. Uh, I was named after Angela Davis, actually. So, yeah, so she's my hero. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a really good one. I was named after Rebecca West. It's like a slightly more obscure one. <laughs> <laughs> travel writer. Oh, that was my feminist, actually. A very kind of radical good one. So yeah, I should have a traveling feminist. feminist. <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah, I'll take her. But um, uh, yeah, uh, I don't know. I have a lot of heroes. But in, in relation to this, I would say that Elizabeth Marston, I'm playing a real person, but I've what is known about her is limited and I'd say that I probably owe as much to cues that I picked up in the writing that reminded me of some of my heroes like uh, Catherine Hepburn and Myrna Loy and Betty Davis and Barbara Stanwyck I would say those are the kind of top four and I probably owe quite a lot of my interpretation of Elizabeth Marston to those heroes of mine as much as I do everything else yeah, that's very cool, and I, I wish I could have been there for that one just because I, I, I'm a huge Luke Evans fan, and I also really enjoy Rebecca Hall, but unfortunately, I was talking to you know Scully and Mulder, so I didn't get to join you for that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then we had our final press uh, roundtable room of the day, and it was actually one of the best, I think, wouldn't you say? Yeah, it was really good, really enjoyable one. And that was for The Exorcist, the hit Fox show, uh, which uh, is, has come back and has sort of a new storyline this season. John Cho from Star Trek, the start of the J. J. Abrams Star Trek movies and the Harold and Kumar movies. Uh, he's joined the cast, so we spoke with him, and we talked to a lot of the returning cast members. Um, and that, that was they were all really, really cool. I thought. Yeah, it was uh, it was nice just hearing what they had to say about it. It's very intense. Lots of the scenes and the what the way they uh, you know they joke and things afterwards. And the fact that Laker Robinson she had a little dog with her at the time, uh, which which got a bit nervous in the press room. So we ended up sitting on a knee while we were talking right. to her. Right, which is quite nice. Well, let's uh, let's share those interviews as the new season has already started, uh, and they talk about some of the upcoming stuff. Let's go ahead and so first we spoke with Ben Daniels, who was also in Star Wars Rogue One, yeah, and Alfonso Herrera, who played the two main priests on the show. They're sort of the the thread that goes through each season. Uh, and here's what they had to say about what's coming up in the new season. The Exorcist is, is like the single most successful horror movie of all time and also one of the most iconic. Was there any um, hesitancy to, to step into the roles like that or was there any worries that it wouldn't live up to the quality of a movie that's that well loved? Yeah, of course. I, you know, and I think when it was announced we were doing it, the reaction was dreadful from, <laughs> from people on Twitter it was, and social media. It was um, not well received and I, you know, I felt the same way and then I, t- I didn't read the script when it arrived and then my agent was like no no you must read it because the writing is fantastic and sort of I'd read a third of it and I was just completely on board I just went in fought tooth and nail <laughs> to get it um, because the characters are so well drawn like that original novel and movie so yeah, it was a no brainer for me but yeah it's, it's tough because you are treading on like the holy grove I'm a massive horror fan and it's my favourite horror movie I've seen it countless times I've been obsessed with the story since I was nine and um, you know it, 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 you, you have a lot to live up to but um, yeah hopefully 
rippling it off. <laughs> I come from a very Catholic, from a Catholic background. I'm Mexican. It's all my family, uh, they're all Catholics. I don't. I'm a Catholic, but I don't practice it. So I remember my family. They were very. Uh, concerned about me <laughs> and I remember I told my mom hey mom I'm gonna do this show and literally she sent me a hundred rosaries a hundred <laughs> just in case it's a very intense show but when you're filming it do you, how do you uh, sort of break the tension after a scene are there like any practical jokes going on or joke we, um, insert, it, it's interesting focus? because um, Alfonso is working in a second language so he comes to work really 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 prepared and I do the same kind of preparation. So when we come to work, it's... And in fact, it happens with everyone in this yeah. company of actors, really. Everyone comes so prepared. Because sometimes the scenes are really long. Like yesterday, or a few days ago, we were doing a, a scene that was nine pages long, which is like unheard of on television. So each take is ten minutes long. So the concentration is really, really intense. So in between, as soon as cut is called, it there's so much levity on the set. I can't, I've never worked on any job like it. And then as soon as action, everyone in the room concentrates. It's, um, so there's a lot of downtime in between the intensity. I think otherwise we'd just go mad. It's needed. It's very yeah. needed. With the new season airing, and we're only two episodes have aired, are there any moments coming up that you guys are really looking forward to the fans getting to see? The next episode, episode three, is directed by Ty West. Yeah. And I don't know if oh, you're yes. a horror fan, but, but I mean, that House of the Devil is yeah. like, and The Innocent, The Innkeepers, um, it, yeah. I, I just like two of my favorite horror movies. And when they said he was coming to do it, I, I was beyond excited. And his episode is phenomenal. He was just really wonderful to work with because a lot of the time you know when you're working on a long show you know directors come and go and they just are happy with what you're doing but he came in and really pushed us in mm -hmm. new ways and I think it's very exciting and there's a, a young actress in it Beatrice who's 12 year old and she's absolutely phenomenal so it's really exciting I can't wait for people to see it yeah next up is uh, Kurt Ejiwan and Zulika Robinson who were talking about uh, what's, what's going on with their characters in season two. And for the X-Files fans, you might remember Zulika Robinson from the Lone Gunman spinoff. She was a regular on that show. Are there any um, moments in the, uh, coming up in the season that you guys are really looking forward to fans getting to experience? Mm -hmm. All of it. <laughs> Seriously, we've got a ton to get through, you know, um, starting with next week, you know, um, yeah, I, I feel like every episode has some, you know, because you've got these three very disparate stories, you know, with um, Andy and the kids, us, us in uh, the Vatican and in Europe, um, and then Marcus and Thomas on the run, on the road, doing their kind of road trip, you know. Um, <laughs> so there's all these disparate stories, and it's so, they, they contrast each other so much. We um, so well. Right? Yeah. And there's this sort of puzzle quality to it as to how is this all going to fit? How are all three stories going to you know, match and, you know, meet into one, you know, and uh, I think the guys have done it, the writers have done a brilliant job. So after a busy day filming on set, when yeah. you get home, how do you, how do you sleep at night? Any nightmares or do you just, do you have to take a while to just separate it all? Well, I, I, I worked it so a friend of mine could yeah. be on the show and we're roommates, so that way I don't feel <laughs> stuck alone at night. <laughs> That's a really good question. Because I've done jobs before where, like, that stays with you, you know, like the process or, you know, the character and you know, it's hard to actually shake that off yeah. Um, yeah it's a kind of occupational hazard I guess like you know um, you've just got to have a really balanced mind you know
And finally, Mr. John Cho himself, uh, who's very chill, a nice guy, but definitely very chill. Uh, but here he is talking about his character and, and what he's bringing to the show and the horror genre. With the, the show being as, as dark and intense as it is, does the cast find time to have fun and unwind on set at all? Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I'm just, like, I'm unable to remain serious uh, I, because I'm not very professional. <laughs> so, yeah, lots of laughs. But there's a, a lot of joking around. You, I think you have to. You know, you can't. I don't know how, how to do that. I don't know how to for an entire shoot. I don't know how to do that. You gotta have fart jokes, <laughs> or you'll die. <laughs> You've had two big projects with it. You had Star Trek, which was a TV show, became film, hmm. uh, and now The Exorcist, which was a big film, has become a TV show. Which has been the most challenging to you? Oh, I don't know. Um, seems to me everyone's fascinated by the idea of these properties reemerging, um, and then they can be extra critical with it. Um, so there's pitfalls and rewards either way. What's interesting about doing The Exorcist as a television show is that I think it, you know, these days uh, it's hard to make, I don't know if you could do The Shining again with all that setup, you know. And in a way, TV, a 10-episode run, you can have a lot of setup. And I, I, if, if you were to make The Shining again, I'm not sure if, you know, there might be an action sequence at the top. So I, that's what I really like about the Tomas and Marcus storyline is allowing the family to really, is allowing Jeremy and Sean to really paint the family um, well so that it sets up uh, an undisclosed event is going to happen. Uh, it was also nice as well because that round table, I got to meet your friend Karen Butler. And yes. She was uh, another reporter. She was great to talk to. And she basically was really bigging up the series, which uh, made me... I, I got back to England and found out it's on Amazon Prime now, season one, and I've just been going through it and enjoying every minute of it. So thank you very much, Karen, for getting me to watch it. Yes, there you go. And a couple other of our uh, reporter friends who shared some press rooms with us we didn't get to mention yet. Jordan Desjardins from sciencefiction.com and Mike Mettler from digitaltrends.com. We also hung out with them all weekend, and so uh, we had quite a nice, a nice group of people hanging out. Yeah, and I, I was in a couple with uh, Mike... Sacchini from uh, Den of Geek as well. He was a he was a top bloke. And oh, and um, Brian Reisman from uh, Playboy and Esquire. We yeah, know yeah. him as he well. Was, he was cool. A lot he, of cool people. Yeah, all very nice and uh, all great to talk to them. Yeah, yeah. So that was a lot of fun. And then that kind of was the sort of the end of the show. I mean, we we took a couple quick laps around the floor, but really, then it was over, and we kind of headed off to yeah. Penn Station to. Oh, first of all, oh, a big uh, a big thank you to the Derby Pop booth for letting us keep all our bits and pieces that we purchased in their booth while we wandered around. Yes, yes. Darby Pop actually does do um, some really great comic books, including, as we mentioned earlier, Russell's sidekick, but they also have the official Bruce Lee comic book, uh, a really great kind of take on 80s action movies called Doberman that I really enjoyed. There's a, a really neat sort of fantasy mystery called Fake Empire in which the Tooth Fairy gets murdered. Uh, and they really have a cool, eclectic mix of titles. I've read a, a good number of them, and I have to say not, not one of them's let me down. So if you're into comics, do check out the Darby Pop line. It's it's really good. Yeah, some great high concept ideas there. 
Yeah, for sure. Okay. Well, that was our trip to New York Comic Con. I mean, really, that, like I said, we, we headed off to Penn Station. Uh, we, we unfortunately had to part ways. Yeah. It was very sad. I may have shed a tear or two uh, as I watched Phil head off down into the subway off to the airport, and I went off to wait for my train. Mostly, I was just hungry at that point, but definitely a little sad, too. Yeah, I, was, I must admit, it was, uh, it was great meeting you and the guys, and it was an amazing experience, and I look forward to next year's. Yeah, yeah. We're going to do it even bigger next year. I don't know how that's well, yeah, possible. I must, but... I must admit, the journey back on the plane, it was overnight, and I got back, and I did feel like somebody had sat on my head. <laughs> I was so tired. Yeah. And it keeps catch. I keep thinking I've got over it, and then it catches up with me again. Right. Yeah, I definitely spent a, a good part of Monday sleeping. <laughs> if you've never been, I highly recommend you give it a go, uh, because it is, it's a hell of an experience, and if you do like these things, it's, uh, it's great. It's great to just be there with all these people who also love all the th- same things that we do. Yeah, yeah. It was really an amazing experience. I mean, I've been going to this show for, for years. You, you've actually heard, obviously, on, on previous episodes of the show, some of the interviews, uh, especially last year's show. I, I, we aired a few of those. So, uh, But this year it was great to experience it with Phil and uh, get the After the Ending crew together in person. Yeah. So, well, hopefully you've enjoyed the interviews we shared with you today. We do have some really, some really great ones coming up. As we said, you know, William Shatner, uh, the X Files cast. You know, really, really cool stuff to come. Still, we'll be sprinkling those throughout the next few episodes. But next week, we are going to be back with a regular episode. It is going to be our annual Halloween themed episode. So, Phil, tell people what they can expect when we return next week. Okay. So next week, we're just going to be doing one film, but it's going to, what a film it is. We're going to be doing after the endings for. Rosemary's Baby. Yes, a classic. Yes, a very if good If you one. haven't seen it, go watch it before next week's episode. It's really good. Oh, it is. It is a real good one. I'm only doing the one film because we'll have some more interviews. We'd already mentioned it earlier on, but we're going to be having interviews for the Law TV show, yeah. which is a nice, creepy show. So that should be fun. Yeah, we're going to talk about our lore experience at New York Comic Con, and uh, we're going to have a great interview with Robert Patrick uh, and and some some other interviews with some of the other cast and crew of lore, including Aaron Mankey and Galeon Hurd. So it's really some some very talented, cool people talking about spooky stuff. So it's a perfect fit for our Halloween episode. Oh, definitely. And we will also, last year, we did the top 10 horror movies of the 1980s, but this time we're going to be doing our favorite top 10 Horror movies of the 1990s. Yeah, looking forward to that. Should be some good ones. Indeed. So that will be our special Halloween episode. If you remember, last year's Halloween episode was a lot of fun. It's still one of my favorites. So you definitely do not want to miss that one. Please yeah. come back and join us then. That was episode 31 for those of you who want to go back and have a look. Have a, to have a listen to that. Yeah. Well, I hope everybody enjoyed our sort of rambling uh, recollection of New York City. Uh, it was fun for us to kind of relive it. But we, we thought you guys would sort of enjoy hearing what the behind the scenes was like and, and some of the crazy adventures that we had. Yeah, it all seems like a dream now. Just a dream. <laughs> Where Mike's face was there before me. Oh, so it's a it's a bad dream then if my face is there. Oh, sorry about no, that. No, no, it, it was a good it was a good dream. Okay. There's some bad moments. Oh, <laughs> no, no. No, it was a good it was just it was a really good experience and I'm glad I had the chance to do it. Well, likewise. All right, well on that note then it's time for us to wrap things up here. So we will hope to see you back here next week. As always, we thank you greatly for listening. I'm Mike Spring. And I'm Phil Edwards. And we'll see you next week. After the ending. Yes, yes. We uh you see we we hold on, I can't we can't think. <laughs> Everybody was uh, raving about the stuff I was writing, things like that on my family. They were going, good, he, good. They were telling my mum and dad, saying he should be a writer. And they were going, well, that's sort of what he's doing anyway. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yep. It's crazy. <laughs> they should, he should do it on a blog or some kind of website. Yeah. Yeah. He's done that. <laughs> you should have a website yeah. about films because it's natural because you, you like writing and you like films. I, yeah. I hadn't thought about that. <laughs>
uh, you, you suddenly comprehend how big it is. Yeah, <laughs> that's what she said. But uh, I was. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, don't I, know was, if I uh, could use that. I know. <laughs> uh, Haley, Joel, and Peter. Not Peter. I shouldn't call him that. <laughs> <laughs> well, after the danger boat, then I had to run off to a press room, and I interviewed the cast and creators of the Shannara Chronicles, which is a really cool little uh, show. It was on MTV. Now it switched over to Spike. Oh, I, um, I was in this one as well. Oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> it's all a blur, man. Yeah. <laughs> I know what you mean. And here he is talking about his experience on the show. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to compile all of those little things of you doing the music into yeah. a, a little song thing at the end. <laughs> the, the, Phil, you should do, yeah. the Phil Edwards remix. <laughs> Bum 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 doo boo boo. Bum 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 doo boo. Bum 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 doo boo.